The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to A Veteran's Place on America's Web Radio. And with all of our veteran shows and our first responder type shows, we always do two things. And one of them is that at the start of the show, we take a moment of silent prayer to thank those that have given the ultimate sacrifice, those that are on active duty right now, and those that are thinking about it. So we'll take out just a moment and uh, pause, and then we'll come back with the other thing that we always do. Okay, and we're back on a veteran's place, and uh, here's the other thing that we do. We want to make sure your heart is beating and beating well, and uh, Dr. Don and I both have been through this, and uh, I know from my standpoint, it's gotten me that extra quarter mile. So here we go. Hey, I feel all right now. Hey, I feel all right now. Do you feel like I do? And now it's time for a veteran's place. We've got our host on, Dr. Don Moeller. And as I always like to explain, just because I'm jealous and envious and and just in awe of a gentleman that's a veteran. He was a medic in Vietnam, saved many lives, and came back after his tour and went to dental school. Then he decided, gee, I'm bored. I think I'll become a physician as well. So we've got a dentist. Well, we got a medic in case we need a first responder. We got a medic. We got a dentist, oral surgeon, and we've got an MD. So I guess our bases are covered. If if you if you have an emergency, though, hang up on us and call nine one one. I love that whenever whenever you call somebody and they give you that spill, it's like duh. Anyway, so with that being said, our host is on the line. Good morning, Doctor Don Moeller. Good morning, Dave. How are you doing today? Well, I'm vertical and I'm on top of the grass, so I guess uh, I got a head start. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, we had a listener uh, that wanted some information 
on uh, PTSD and substance abuse. And we're going to talk about that today. Not entirely, uh, but we're going to put it in a framework uh, that we've been using. The I made an analogy last week about uh, PTSD as a backpack, a rucksack, uh, hanging on your back, and it, it's not you. The PTSD was not you. you got to remember, you basically were normal before you went to a war zone and you started doing EMT, police, and firework uh, uh, employment. Uh, you were basically a normal guy, and you, you pretty much you didn't have anything as severe as PTSD in your psychological baggage. And so what happened, you were exposed to an environment that kind of created that. And to quote one psychiatrist who said, PTSD is a normal reaction to a very abnormal situation. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about why veterans, EMTs, uh, firemen, police, can get into substance abuse. And we're pretty familiar with that. That is the drugs, alcohol, et cetera, et cetera, that you tend to rely on uh, as, as kind of a crutch. But there's a difference. If you want to go to some websites, <clears throat> when, the, when the civilians, and I'm not, I'm not uh, considering that our police, firemen, EMTs, and frontline medical people, of course they're, they're civilians, but they're more aligned with the code and brotherhood of uh, the military. And so when I refer to civilians, I'm not referring to our base audience. And, and so here's here's some things that we need to know. We're going to delve in a little bit to what causes, in a way, if you want to call it a cause, uh, some of the problems with uh, military veterans and first responders. About it, it, These are just a couple of statistics. About two out of ten veterans with PTSD have substance abuse problems. And about one out of three veterans who, who actually seek treatment uh, uh, at the VA uh, with PTSD, one out of three has substance abuse. Smoking is, is about double for veterans with PTSD. Six out of ten veterans with PTSD versus three out of ten that don't have PTSD. And, and in the Iraqi-Afghanistan war, one in ten veterans uh, who are treated in the VA have problems with alcohol or drugs. And those in the Vietnam veterans uh, with PTSD and alcohol problems, they tend to binge drink. And, and that's four to five drinks in a one to two hour period. So we're going to take a look at why veterans abuse drugs. Well, first of all, we're going to talk about the civilian situation. And if you look at websites and you just Google it, you go, well, why do civilians, or why do, why do people start drugs? These are not the reasons that veterans start, quote, abusing drugs. Okay, I, I don't like putting them in the same category. There's about ten things here. Civilians, experience, experiential, experimental, they're curious. They may have a family history that condones getting high. 
Now, they may have started with prescription drugs and then started self-medicating. Peer pressure, there's a group uh, out there that you want to hang with, and they're all just doing little bits of drugs, and then it tends to be that slippery slope, and you slide down the hill. They want the feel-good feeling, you know, hey, life's good, but let's make it better. I think that's a lot of a lot of our rich movie star pals and and, and high-end earners. Uh, they think life can get better, so they try drugs. There may be some mental health issues. I'll give them that. Now, there's accessibility and legal. Now, there's also bridge drugs. Uh, you have to be real, real careful in social science. It's not as accurate as, uh, as, as physics and chemistry, but there's social sociologists figure, well, you know, marijuana isn't a bridge drug. I just go, whatever it is. Uh, accessibility and legality. So... It's legal and it's accessible, and hey, it's probably no different than having a beer, and that's usually what the first response is. Again, I'm talking about the civilians here. Uh, it, it, the next thing is they like uh, the buzz, the euphoria, or well, I, it's not, but we'll talk about the endorphin release in a minute. So those are the reasons that the civilians non-stressed people, life-and-death job people, tend to drift into substance abuse. That is not the reason why soldiers with PTSD and, and we'll call it sub-threshold PTSD because an additional 7 to 12% of soldiers that don't meet the criteria for PTSD are sub-threshold PTSD. So what's what's going on? Well, we, we beat this to death in a couple uh, shows. I'm going to do it again for just a minute. We're talking about the framework that, that veterans live in, your worldview. And the thing that prevails above all else, once you join the military, and Dave, you know, where you do the cadences, <laughs> I, I don't know that civilians that work in tax firms or guys that repair cars, and, and I like that's my hobby, by the way. So I don't know that we started our day uh, or a medical office running and doing cadence with the crew. You, if that happened, you'd obviously see it on the news. Well, that develops a brotherhood. So veteran, veterans have a brotherhood. We're in a different business. And same with first responders, of course. We deal with life and death, and part of that is you have to make complex life-threatening or affecting decisions all day long. And, and with the police, you, you have to make decisions on whether you want to be on the national news for shooting somebody who's shooting at you. And so that, that's stressful. And these are social situations. But I want to make sure everybody understands that in that worldview... PTSD does not exist in a vacuum. You have your family, you have your friends, you've got your work, and this PTSD has to, you have to put the framework of how that's affecting your life, your family, your marriage relationship, your kids. It, it affects a lot of things. I don't think that the drug overdose 
that civilians get into, and that's tragic. The, the reasons they get started in that are not the same veterans. Now, veterans have a problem with sleep. Let's just take that. Now, I'm going to talk about cycles today, not bicycles, but cycles that, that tend to get worse. For example, you want to, you got to get to sleep because you got to go to work to do your job and you can't get to, you, but you still got the job. They're counting on you. The brotherhood, we're in the brotherhood industry. Your brothers are, are counting on you. And the same in the medical, you know, the nurses are reluctant, doctors reluctant to call in sick because it's going to leave your team without help. So what am I talking about? You got to get some sleep. Well, what's legitimate? Okay. And I'm not endorsing this, but it's, hey, let's knock back a few beers or, or whatever your beverage is. Well, you get to sleep. There's a couple parts of sleep, initiation of sleep. Uh, you don't lay there as long, but the quality of your sleep is not particularly good. And so let's say you have sub-threshold PTSD and you work in the fire department. and You, you read up on it, but you don't meet the criteria for full-blown PTSD. So you go, well, there's nothing wrong with having a couple of brewskis uh, before you hit the sack. Well, pretty soon you rely on that to get some hopefully better sleep. Look. You're doing what you can to, to, to help the brotherhood. You're not doing it for your own benefit. you got to get to work. Well, that's a vicious cycle because your, your sleep still is poor quality, and you still end up getting wrapped around the axle with that. And why? You're, you were not trying to just get a buzz. You were trying to, trying to get some sleep. Don, now, on, the other on that thing note, you have to understand on yeah. that note, let's take our first break, and uh, we'll be back with more talking about sleep and how you get it with Dr. Don Moeller and A Veteran's Place here on America's Web Radio. We'll be right back. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're back on A Veteran's Place on America's Web Radio with the infamous Dr. Don Moeller. And Don, I've got to, are you going to throw out your success uh, with that veteran that uh, our good friend brought into your office? Or do I need to tell about the fact that this veteran came in, was averaging about two to three hours of sleep a night, and was fitted with Dr. Don's 
I call it a mouthpiece. And uh, the first night, they got 11 hours of sleep. If that's not a success story, I don't know what is. And if you're suffering from PTSD and can't sleep at night, or you got a friend that is, or a relative that is, you need to talk to Dr. Don Moeller. And um, with that being said, I took the I took the sunshine off of you for a second. So back to you, Don. Hey, Dave. Thanks. I, I'm not infamous. I'm just a, working for King Jesus here, trying to help our veterans. But I, Dave, I'm going to just make a comment. Uh, here's the thing that we're talking about is that the veterans are in a brotherhood. We help each other. And we're, 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 we're sheepdogs. Let me just say it. All the first responders, you're sheepdogs. When, when the sheep, and, and if this offends some civilians, uh, send a nasty letter to web radio because I don't care. You know, the sheepdogs you can't treat the same as you can the sheep. When a sheepdog gets PTSD and is stressed out, that's equivalent to complex PTSD in the civilian world. And that's very serious. That's where you, these young people and starts at the child, they, they are abused chronically. That is very much like the PTSD veterans get. But the reason I try and make analogies about like the backpack PTSD is not you. You have a backpack, and it has they call PTSD around you. And this show, where we're going to talk about it in a few minutes, your job is to just start unloading things in that backpack. Part of the reason I talked about the worldview and your family, you know, PTSD affects your, your environment, your job, your physical condition, yada, yada. But the point is, you have to start taking things out of that backpack. There is no shame in it because you are not carrying uh, an extra 100 pounds in your in your backpack. doesn't mean that you're weak. And you have to understand that, that the PTSD, is, it, it loads your backpack up. Now, guess what we're talking about? Substance abuse. That's something else that you've got in your backpack that you have to deal with. And that in itself is a mountain to climb, and we talk about unloading your backpack. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about anger, too, uh, today. Uh, so you have the cycle going on. You need more sleep. You can't get sleep. Start some substance abuse. Well, in the military, you go out and exercise. Does anybody feel like exercising when they didn't get any sleep? I don't think so. And so you lose motivation, too, with substance abuse. So we're going to move on here, and we're going to talk uh, about uh, some other issues. And and I got oh, – I banged into a website. Uh, I, don't, I think it was a psychologist. This is probably one of the best uh, emotional websites I've read. And, and this lady got right down to it. She said – Military veterans, we'll just call our, our, our audience. We deal with life and death issues. Now, we have to, t essentially, the military and police have to take a life. Now, there's no escape from what we have to do. 
We have to make those decisions. It is not op- optional. That's part of our job. And so when you have to take a life or watch a life being taken, that's, that's a moral injury. How, what happens in moral injury? That affects your spirit. That affects the depth of your soul. You know, I've been working on my old Jeeps, and, you know, the drill slipped, slipped and put a hole somewhere in the body. I just get some Bondo and no problem. That's not the same for soldiers. And so you have to understand that we're not going to back off the moral injury aspect of it. And neither did this particular psychologist. Uh, now, we're going to talk about substance abuse from the anger's perspective. There's a whole group of veterans that come back, in some cases as high as 84%, that, that has continual anger issues. Well, you weren't angry before you had PTSD or subthreshold PTSD. You're probably pretty nice guys. Family and friends, well, you underwent a readjustment in the military culture. You joined the Brotherhood. Well, now... You came back home from the war zone after multiple deployments, and uh, you don't seem to be the same guy. You seem to be able to get a little bit angry, more angry than you used to. What's going on with that? You see, in the military correction, and we'll just call it our listeners' culture, because we know who we're talking about, you don't have all day to make your decision. You have to show up for work. Unless you're hurting more than your your, your teammates, you're, you're going to go to work. Well, you know you don't have enough sleep. So how do you get sleep? Well, that's how substance abuse starts. And I and I know I'm saying it again, but people have to understand that that our audience is kind of forced into it by uh, the situations. And I'm not making excuses uh, about being a veteran and having to do nasty things and liking to have beer probably more than some guy that, you know, is a clerk someplace. Well, you got to understand that's in your backpack, and you have to start working on getting getting that out. And the anger issues are also in that backpack. And, you, and we, Dave, you and I are just close to PTSD, and... We have to we have to do things to get that out of the backpack. And how do we do that? Well, the easy way, because you want to be a friend, you want to be a nice guy. Well, a couple beers and hey, it's happy hour. They don't call it happy hour uh, for nothing. Now they also found out that, and it's estimated. Now this is a huge figure that between thirty-seven to fifty percent of Afghani and Iraq war vets have been diagnosed with mental disorders. Well, like depression. 40% of the folks with PTSD have depression. Well, now you've got depression in your backpack. You may also have traumatic brain injury, even if it's mild traumatic brain injury. So now you can't get to sleep. So that's another reason that veterans initiate substance abuse. You may have continual headaches, and, and that's part of grinding your teeth from PTSD, and that can occur 
and up to 80 or 90 percent of the uh, of the veterans. What does that mean? You got a headache and you're angry, your blood pressure's up, and you want to get some chemical help, we'll call it. Well, another interesting fact, among the recent Afghan and Iraqi war vets, 63% are diagnosed, and these are the, of those that have PTSD, 63% are diagnosed with substance uh, abuse disorders. Now that's, that's a significant, a significant number. And that's, uh, that's concerning. So that's, if we spent what seems to be an inordinate amount of time, uh, on, on PTSD, well that's because, uh, some of the people who estimated it's even higher, they, they want you to believe it's 20%, depending on the union, unit you're in, it could be up to 30%. So let's get back to anger. Now, this is a psychologist saying this. It hurts to know that you are causing pain. You don't mean to cause pain, but the civilians don't understand that you don't mean that. Now, it's ambivalence. You go, look, I don't want to act this way. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to have a short trigger. So what does that do? Well, remember, you have the social, the family, the employees, whatever, in your social network, in your worldview. Well, it's frightening when to see vets cook off and uh, you push your friends drift away. So with no friends, you get your six-pack support group. And you see, I want veterans to understand you're not doing recreational drugs. You have to exist in the world, and you don't want to be angry, and your anger is pushing your family away, your wife away, your friends away, the people at work. And so you kind of, it's kind of like a life preserver. You don't realize you're doing it. And all I'm saying is, since you know that this is in your backpack, and, and say, well, I didn't know I had that much anger. Well, it's in there, I, I guarantee you. Six, I'm going to give you some other statistics about Before the level do of that, anger and Don, attitude of veterans. However, I'm telling you, it's in the backpack and look for it. We're going to, we're going to speak a little bit later about how we can do this. Don, now, we're going to need to uh, yeah. stop here and take a break. And uh, All right. Uh, we'll get back to talking more anger and... Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of this is is a societal, you know, and I want to talk to you about that when we come back. So we'll take a break, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Dr. Don Muller and A Veterans Place. Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. 
Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your healthcare freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on A Veteran's Place on America's Web Radio, and we're certainly glad to have all the veterans listening, and we want to thank the veterans that... uh, are passing the word on about a veteran's place and Dr. Moeller and how he's treating PTSD. And uh, it's uh, we just want to thank, and because Don and I are both veterans, that, uh, you know, individually or collectively like to give all of you a hug. And if, if we can, and not me, but uh, Dr. Moeller, if... If he can, through his efforts and what and his product, his mouthpiece can reduce the horrendous rate of suicides by veterans that have PTSD, then Don and I both have big smiles on our face. So, with with this being said, I, you know, let me ask Don. We were talking about uh, substance abuse and. Uh, I think that some of that, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm wrong a lot of times, but, uh, you know, we're a society of, I want it yesterday, I should have it yesterday, and we think we have been trained since we were knee-high to a grasshopper, as they say, that a little bitty pill will do it, and so... If you have PTSD, you start looking for that pill. It should be the magic pill that gives you the sleep that you need or gives you the peace that you need. And that's really not where it is. Like you said, it's you got to take it out of your backpack. And uh, so am I, you know, society has sort of forced us into expecting one thing, but results is another thing. Am I correct? Right. Right. Uh, There's a journal, it's called the Journal of Biological Psychiatry. It's it's an excellent journal. And they deal with, you know, the medication aspects. But I can assure you that uh, the PTSD that veterans get and moral injury is very difficult to treat with medications. Now, I will talk for a few seconds, minutes. You know, traumatic brain injury is so prevalent in the, in the troops, and I just can't believe it. I ask my patients, I've got almost a 1,000, not only my surgical patients, but BTSD patients. You, you have to just about wrestle them to the floor and bend their arm to get them to admit they had a traumatic brain injury. You know, it, 
It's so it's it's traumatic brain injury and PTSD are the signature wounds of the wars of the last twenty years. Well, when you get a traumatic brain injury, it causes brain inflammation. You've got cytokines being released from glial cells, woohoo, and mesenchymal cells, and other brain structures. Well, PTSD, staying awake and lack of sleep, and traumatic brain injury can cause an inflammatory process in your brain. There is no doubt, it is not even up for discussion, that sleep affects healing from traumatic brain injuries, and uh, we'll call uh, call it any PTSD. We're going to call it a brain injury, just to group it. Now, PTSD is associated with traumatic brain injury, and I'm not going to get into the correlative factors on this. But the fact is, you know, when you have PTSD and you've had traumatic brain injury, in that order or not, they're correlated, and rehabilitation is correlated. Well, I want to throw something else in the mix. And the VA has acknowledged this by funding a large moral injury project. When you have PTSD, a certain percentage have moral injury, especially if you're in a veteran. Now, policemen don't have it so much as firemen and EMTs because if somebody's shooting at me, trying to kill me, and I have to say goodbye to them, uh, I don't really look at that as a moral dilemma. or moral injury, but firemen that can't save everybody and EMTs, uh, that we, we have moral dilemmas and that's what I'm talking about here. Uh, so you have traumatic brain injuries and then on top of that you've got moral injuries and PTSD and they all have overlapping syndromes. So if you're sitting there and you think, hey, that might be me, it doesn't mean that we can't identify stuff in your rucksack and get it out. You just have to know that's on the, on your to-do list. Uh, and so you ask about taking the pills. Well, you got to understand the Brotherhood thinks taking pills is a sign of weakness. Uh, and then you go, well, I'll just have a beer. That's, that's not a sign of weakness. You know, hey, I'm, I'm going to, you know, smoke a few joints, whatever, to get through the day. That's not seen as a sign of weakness because it's, it's a party atmosphere. But you got to understand for somebody with PTSD and TBI and a moral injury, you're pretty much just painting over rust, okay? Now, we're, we're going to talk about what the psychologist said. Here are the three things to write down. Power, control, and vulnerability in battle. And also when you're police and firemen, you got the best equipment. You are ultimately powerful and utterly powerless in the face of life and death. And that sums it up. You know, there's, and I've been there, it doesn't matter if you're in an ER and all these catastrophes roll in and you're swamped. And the people are crying for help. That's that's torture, okay? And I say it again. Power, control, and vulnerability. That's, if you're wondering how deep these roots go into your soul, you're ultimately powerful and utterly powerless in the face of life and death. And that's, that's 
something you don't get as a clerk, okay? Now, spiritual uh, responsibility of having been a death bearer changes your spirit. Now, I'm talking about both police and uh, uh, military. This is a nasty world, and, and, and I want to talk about Russia, what they're doing to Ukraine right now, and if I'm alienated, you don't bother writing, I don't care. These people are jerks. These are beyond, they're like from the pit of hell. And the soldiers are the sheepdogs, and the people going over there to help. That's just life on this planet. And when you left Disney World, I grew up in Southern California to go to Vietnam, and you and you're over there, and I'll never forget. In 24-hour period, the Freedom Birders brought you back home, and you're back at Disneyland. You go, how can one part of the world be being destroyed? And we're sitting here at Disneyland looking at Mickey Mouse. You see, that's the problem. Your friends don't incur soul injuries when when they do their job, and we do. And so you are, and this is what the lady said, uh, the psychologist, you are up against the ultimate extremes of power, control, and vulnerability. You're, it's out of control over the things that we should be able to control. And what happens? We get angry or depressed. So there you are. Now you've been forced to do these incredible things because that's what your job is. How is it your job? You work for the Brotherhood. You work for your squad. The squad is the most powerful military unit ever designed or ever assembled. You will fight, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, you will fight for your buddies more than you will fight for your own life, period. I mean, that's just how it is. And they can't explain it. I listened to a couple uh, YouTube features on that a while back, and that... It's not your leader. It's not the general, of course. It's not the battalion commander. It's not the regiment commander. And I got that backwards, but oh, medic. The company commander. Your company, you pretty much fight hard in your platoon. But the guys in your squad, you'll give your life for. You'd rather give your life for your squad members than have them die, and you could have prevented it. And that's why the squad is so powerful. So what happens? We've, we got buddies we couldn't help. You get angry or depressed. Well, how do you how do you talk to somebody and get that out of your head? And here's the thing: cognitive behavioral therapy, as one example, they're gonna they're gonna talk to you and say, you know, you didn't have control. There's nothing you could do, but you still have a moral injury. You have an injury to your soul. And that explanation can only be assuaged by a spiritual understanding of what you, what your purpose is in the universe. And if you choose to ignore a moral injury, you, you choose to ignore, I'm not a spiritual guy. Well, it doesn't really matter. Like, I don't pay taxes because I'm not a kind of a tax guy. It doesn't really matter. And that's why this, person, this psychologist, the roots of what you could not control is a moral injury, okay? And she said, when combat vets 
come home there grieving. You don't know it, but how do veterans fight grieving? Well, the manly thing to do is not tears, you get anger. So you gotta understand, I mean, this little, this, this psychologist, she had, I, I can't remember, I'm sorry, I don't remember the site, but grief causes anger, I had no idea. This, this, you know, when you're reading really fundamentally good stuff, I mean, my hobby's philosophy, but grief causes anger. I mean, you gotta, I, I did not know that. I really did. This, I, I got enlightened getting ready. Pressure of grief has to go somewhere. And that's what she said. The pressure of grief has to go somewhere. And it leaks out as anger. I mean, if you saw some Army, you know, no, Navy SEAL, Ranger, Marine Corps, Recondo, you know, some sergeant just break down crying and you go, oh, that's okay, Sarge. You know, we, we know you, you lost a lot of people and you're just grieving. Well, uh, how about getting angry and pissed and then getting drunk? Well, that pretty much would do it. And it's socially acceptable for your brotherhood. But basically grieving, according to this lady, and I can't pronounce her name. It's, it's a, a Slavic name and I, I give it a name, but I cannot pronounce it. Uh, grieving is the loss of innocence and, and to the darkest part of humanity. I mean, wait a minute. We, we just signed up to join the army, you know, and paint trucks and do the low crawl. And now whether you admit that you had a spiritual part, you've stared in the face of hell and you suffer the, the pangs of satanic pangs. And I'll use that word. And it scares the daylights out of it, okay? So not only that, it affects your belief system. And you say, well, I'm not a religious person. Uh, I don't care. I'm not a tax-paying person either, but I pay taxes. You have lots of beliefs and concepts that shaped your worldview. Your frame was bent. And there's no way you can, there's no way you, you can say that didn't happen. And you think, how did all the, remember, you have PTSD in, in your rucksack. It bent your frame. You didn't ask for it. When you drive your little civilian nice car over the same road of the deuce and a half that's got big, huge, huge tires and huge beams and structure, it's not going to make it. And that, and that's what, that's what's happened. And so you have to understand, and this lady said right here, you will not get to this point that you can unburden that backpack until your spirit has absorbed all the meaning that your pain has to offer. Well, that's, that's a direct quote. We better unpack that because uh, that's a little above me, uh, and I'm sure that when I was private snuffy, it would have would have stopped my brain into the ground. But at any rate, what she's saying is, I think, that until you realize you've had a spiritual injury, that all the counseling in the world is not necessarily going to work and it's definitely not going to work overnight. You have to realize you suffered a spiritual injury and you got to put a spiritual band-aid on it. And, now that's, and I ended last week, and I'm going to touch on it briefly, but you need initiative, the capability to get started on your rebuilding. You need 
you need help to uh, get up in the morning and say today we're going to take something out of the out of the rucksack but the step one is that day that you get up and you say i've got to do this today and i'm going to the bible and i also went to seminary dave online not the real one but anyway the prodigal son when he decided to go back to to his father he said today i will arise and we'll go well that's the toughest decision but here's the part that if you broke your pencil sharpen it again and write it down step one is a spiritual step and god supplies the energy to do that you go well i don't have the energy to to make that move you don't need it needed to the prodigal son god will supply you your faith will supply you the energy for that first step you go i don't have the energy to take that first thing out of the backpack and usually the first thing at the top is a moral injury problem that you got to get out. Well, you don't need the energy to take it out because you rely on God for that first step. And that's the same thing as the biblical, <clears throat> excuse me, the biblical heroes, David and Joseph and, and those people and, and Paul. You look at the biblical heroes, <clears throat> excuse me, the first step is when the Lord intervenes in your life to make it for you. And that's an endorphin-releasing step. Then all you have to do, then you've got the first step already done for you. The rest of it, you now are energized to do it. I want to I wanna say that again. That's, and I don't call it magic. That's, I'll just use it for a better word. That's the magic of it. Your first step is a step of faith, and it takes no energy. Then the work can start, yes. But the toughest step you're going to have to take is a step of faith. And God does that for you. Don, count on it. Let's let people think about that for a minute while we take our last break. And uh, we'll be back with Don Moeller, Dr. Don Moeller, and a veteran's place right after this. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio and one of our most popular shows a Veterans Place with Dr. Don Moeller. There's just no one in the country like Don Moeller. And the message that he brings to us each week regarding PTSD and 
sleep and a number of other things. But let's get back to Don, and here's Don. Thanks, Dave, and all the accolades. I don't believe them myself, but if you want to believe them, that's fine. We're going to start talking about anger again. Anger issues, uh, a lot of times vets don't realize, first responders, you know what I'm talking to, don't realize your anger. You see, <laughs> anger in the military is the hoo That has no meaning if you're a clerk in an office. You know, hey, let's get those forms filled out, hoo-ah, hoo-ah. And, and I don't know what it is in the Marines or the Navy, but I'm sure they've got it. That means it's pretty much a, a pressure release valve. That you, that the who are you're going to finish the mission regardless if it hurts. Now, on active duty, when you're working with the Brotherhood, first responders obviously, anger's a first respond to a threat. You know, I, when the rockets and the mortars are coming in. You know, you're pissed. You go, they're at it again. Well, you don't lay there and say, well, you know, they have their reasons for mortaring our, our position. Uh, no. You're immediately angry and you're energized. That's a default setting for the Brotherhood folks, police, firemen, EMTs. You, you just, reading a book in a library about, uh, like an EMT on how to fix a broken leg, on the trauma scene. It's not the same thing as being on the street with the sirens and the noise and maybe the rain and screaming people, you know. No. You need, put that in quotes, you need to be angry to push through that because the urge is to to call your mother and go home. Just kidding. So I want to talk about reflex anger. And, And why do little things make veterans angry is seemingly little things well either flip a switch on or off and it's just unfortunate that when you see a complex issue that you have to go through to get something done well grabbing your weapon and returning fire is not a complex issue if you're a medic or a policeman you well Filling out forms to get something done, I don't know about you, Dave, it, it, uh, I just can't imagine it, that all that papers needed to be filled out. Let's say you, you're able to go to the VA and get care. You're just going to have to deal with it and know that that's coming. But we're going to leave that aside and move on. Now, a big threat response plan is complex. You have to understand that they call it the something iceberg. We just call it the anger iceberg. What what the public sees is the tip of the iceberg. There's a whole lot of things below that, and that's why we talk about unpacking your rucksack. And specifically, let's talk about self-care. Now, that can be cyclic. You get some sleep, and guess what happens? You feel better. Well, you can get up and you start unpacking the backpack, the rucksack, which makes you feel good because you, you got something out of it. Now, I'm going to interrupt myself here. Dave, and you tell me if it's wrong. We're used to it in the military, a training schedule. And at the end of the day, you're going to have a skill set that you didn't have at the beginning of the day. And I, and I want all the, all our audience to understand, 
we're sheepdogs, and, and this is how we work. You need to get yourself a training schedule. And I'm not some guy. Just make a little note on no. You say, today I'm going to unpack the freaking anger issue. We're going to take that nasty sucker out and look at it. Okay? And then you got to pick something that you're going to take out of that sack. Maybe it's I'm going to just start saying nice things to my kid. Hey, great thing. You're going to say everything's great. You're going to tell your wife the food was great. You know, the the house looks clean. Or or did you have a good day at work? you got to put that on the training schedule. I really mean it. Or you say, I'm going to say hi to the guys at work today. Or I'm going (laughs) to... I'm going to deal with a civilian who is stupid, okay, some clerk, and I've cooked off at the, some city regist- like driver registration. But at any rate, I'm going to make it a point today that I'm going to contact some civilians that don't get what us veterans have done. And I'm going to, I'm going to train myself to just take it. I'm just going to see if I can do it. And I guarantee you, you start... You start smiling inside. I've had to do it. I mean, I go up with a right. I was going to renew my business license, and they lost the entire file. And they said, well, you have to start over. And I just smiled. I thought, can you imagine doing that in the military or as a fireman? I don't don't know what I did with a fire truck. Come on. It would never happen. But what you have to do on your training schedule, at the end of the day, either write it down in your mind or write it, what did I do? How did I get my endorphins up today? You have to make it a priority. And what are you doing? You're working on taking the anger out of your, out of your rucksack. We've got it, guys, gals. Don't deny it. Because we, when you're trying to save a life, I remember an emergency room. I brought a guy in and somebody goes, actually, he was asking, you know, your name and where do you live and your first, and then he goes, where, are you a college graduate? I freaking got, grabbed that guy's pencil and snapped it in half, and I said, you're done. And <laughs> where does that come from? But I admit I did it. I was asking, where did you go to college, and are you a college graduate? And, and there's Looney Tunes there at the front desk. doesn't have a clue. This guy's bleeding from a gunshot wound. Dave, I, I know <laughs> you've seen this. Okay, there's some things that I'm not going to adapt. But there are others that we want to try. Now, let's go to our family worldview, okay? Look look at your family. Start with your family. You have to make an extra effort because when we get angry, we scare the family. You don't mm-hmm. scare another brother in the brotherhood. He knows, hey, he's fine. You know, he's just pissed because so-and-so. But the civilians, the sheep, you scare the sheep. And as a sheepdog, when you bark, they're listening. The sheep are listening, okay? They're listening. But you scare the sheep. So, I mean, between now and next week, it would be nice. And I'm going to work on it, too, like I'm, I'm in the same lifeboat as, as you guys are. I'm going to say, hey, what can I do, you know, when a guy cuts me off in traffic? I mean, <laughs> you just run over him with my tank. No, you don't do that. And you know why? Because that's only raising your blood pressure. You're wasting your time. So with anger issues, you got to write down specifics. Usually I'm angry when. The first thing that you do in recovery is you have to acknowledge there's a problem. And so you say, I, you just say, hey, like, anger, angry anonymous. I am angry. And, it, and you, when you realize it and you realize you're scaring the sheep, 
you just go, okay. Now, eventually, I'm sure somebody's going to piss me off this week, and he'll get yelled at. But I, but it doesn't mean that I'm not working to try and not do that. And so the way you unpack the anger, now what happens when your anger goes down? Well, you, and now we're back to substance abuse. Because substance abuse by veterans is not, I read you the list, is not the same as substance abuse in the sheep. I just call them the sheep. <laughs> is that okay, Dave? Just say the sheep. We don't even know what we're talking about. You know, when the sheep use drugs, it's not the same as when the sheep dogs use drugs. Okay. And so when you lessen your anger and you work on that, then you work on your anger with your, with your group, your family, your people at work. You got to remember that the brotherhood understands your anger and you can get really, you can scream at a guy. I remember having been a private, you get screamed at. Why do you think they do that? That's to get you angry and get you ready. All right, you can't you can't do that at a big huge civilian corporation. I don't think you'd make it through the day. So you just have to understand that is our culture. And same with police, firemen, EMTs, and, and the hospital. They don't yell at each other in the hospital, but it won't go there. But at any rate, so you just have to understand our culture is driving us to take a different view of having a couple beers or a couple more beers than we need, glass of wine, whatever. Okay. You just have to understand, and, and, and first of all, observe it and note it. You go, I don't really need this next beer, okay? And you also have to understand that it's not necessarily going to give you a better night's sleep. I know you're desperate. You're trying to do it. But uh, it's like self-administered uh, general anesthesia. Oh, and I also want to say that your general dentist can make one of these splints for you. I can't treat 200 million people in the world. Uh, it's listed, if you go to pubmed.gov, www.pubmed.gov, and you put molar, M-O-E-L-L-E-R, comma, initial D, initial R, those papers, the five or six papers on PTSD that I authored, you'll see one in the International Journal Oral Surgery, uh, International Journal of Dentistry. Those people, I want to thank them that article, you can download that and give that to your dentist, and he can make make that device. And these are FDA cleared. This is no incredible, you know, as my friend said, rocket surgery. <laughs> you know, that's Phil. Phil Forsberg, he was a hero, too. Okay, I think that about wraps it up, Dave. It does, as a matter of fact. And uh, we actually have about one minute to go, but... Uh... There's one thing that I would like to add, and, and you're talking about training schedules. Going through basic and AIT and so forth and so on, it was always more important. The training schedule gave you an idea of what you were going to have that day, whereas if you didn't, if you had no training schedule, you were going into the day sort of blind. And the most rewarding days were the days that you had the training schedule and you could expect whatever. With that being said, we got to close it out, Don. Thank you for another Veterans Place, and uh, we'll be back with you this time next week. Take care.
The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.